Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. He konai purangi tēnei nā te reo irirangi o Aotearoa. Hi, and welcome to Eating Fried Chicken in the Shower bonus episode uh, with me, James Nokise, and I'm joined by Dr. Saab Jahal. Kia ora, James. Saab, today I want to talk to you uh, about anger and about um, how holding it can lead to frustration or be toxic, but also about you know what's happening to us when we're experiencing anger and maybe our work environment, or maybe it's school or something, and we just can't express it the way we'd want to. Yeah. So anger is linked to um, feelings of frustration or hurt or annoyance or disappointment sometimes, and it ranges from you know slight irritation to complete raging fits. Um, and often they can be caused by what's going on outside in your world, but also what's going on inside for you as well. And so there's three different ways that we deal with anger. One is by expressing it. Mm -hmm. Okay, So we have to figure out a way in the world, because it increases our aggressive tendencies, how do we do this safely for ourselves, but also the people who we're with? The second one would be suppressing that. So actually, we don't express that anger, or we convert it and we redirect it. But the danger of that is that actually if we turn it inwards against ourselves, it can cause problems for us, including things like high blood pressure, heart problems, headaches, and digestive problems. You know, people may be familiar with that. And then the third way of dealing with it is really by trying to get a calming response, learning ways to keep ourselves calm when we're feeling like that. When you say turn in, do you mean like self-punishment or do you uh, mean like just holding on to it? Well, it's kind of like inhibiting it. You know, it's like it doesn't feel safe or somehow I can't express my anger. You know, we're taught that anger is not a good emotion to experience, mm. yet it is a natural emotion to experience when we're feeling frustrated. And often we're kind of brought up in a world where if there's a problem, there must be a solution. But often there are no easy solutions to problems that we face in our lives. And so we have this feeling of frustration and irritation with not being able to find the solution. So really what we need to do is to figure out ways of wrestling and facing up to that problem where it doesn't have a solution. And we're not so great at that. This might be an ironic question, but is there a solution to dealing with uh, encountering a situation where there isn't a solution? Yeah, one of the things that you have to do is to really try to make a plan and figure out a structure as to how is it you're going to deal with this problem. And then you can check your progress along the way. And one of the things you have to do is also is really take a step back from demanding. You know, often when people uh, find themselves angry, it's because that you in some way have demanded fairness or appreciation or agreement or willingness to get things done in your particular way. And really, you need to kind of reframe that as more of a preference. Right. Yeah. And so you be a bit more gentle and less rigid with yourself and the world, and you'll find yourself uh, not really getting to that tipping point of feeling angry quite so often. And is there uh, physical things that we could look out for 
if we're holding on to anger. Um, because sometimes we always say anger can be a fuel. Yeah. And some people will use that anger and rechannel it into something. But is there, is there things we can look out for if we're holding on to anger, but Actually, it's, it's, it's beginning to hurt us. Yeah. So, you know, there's the tension that you feel around your body and things like relaxation techniques can help with that. But one of the things that we have to be wary of is this idea that actually by expressing anger and venting it, somehow it makes us better. Now, in the short term, it may make you feel better. But actually, the evidence seems to be that um, venting anger or letting rip with it does nothing to help you does nothing to help the person who you're angry with and actually can make it worse long term. So really trying to develop other strategies and not getting caught into this idea of anger makes you feel better and it changes the world because actually what that just does is reinforce your angry feelings and then can get you into trouble long term. Right, so you're talking sort of like a rhythm almost of anger, release, anger, release. Yeah, and that can be a problem because if you're constantly in this approach, avoid, approach, avoid, um, you find that people have difficulty figuring you out yeah, right. and you feel like a dangerous person to be around. And then you get frustrated, which creates more anger. And oh, no. It's a bit of a vicious cycle, yeah. Because <laughs> I guess tied to that, um, I also want to talk about embarrassment. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I work in a job where uh, embarrassment can be a very good thing. But people also say that comedy... Stand-up comedy is the scariest job. Mm. And I often think that sentence comes from not being able to work with embarrassment and, of course, that leading to anger, I guess, tied up in there as feelings of shame as well. But what's, when, when we experience embarrassment, particularly in a public mm. environment, you know, oh, my gosh, people saw that happen, what, what's, what's going on and what, what can we do? Yeah. So often embarrassment comes along from uh, the gap between how we would like to be mm -hmm. and what actually happened in reality. <laughs> right? Oh, yes. <laughs> and often the interesting thing is that we think about embarrassment in the past. You know, actually, it's the stuff that happened and we recount it to ourselves and we tell these stories and we inwardly cringe mm. about what just happened, right? And we've all got stories like this. And one of the things I think that it has in common with anger is that we are less likely to feel embarrassed and less likely to feel angry if we take ourselves a little bit less seriously. Right. And give ourselves a little bit of a break in terms of how the world should be or how we should be. You know, allow ourselves to tilt a little bit. And, and wobble a little bit. Because if we don't tilt and don't, don't wobble, then the danger is, is that actually we fall down right. and we fall over. So really, when we're thinking about public embarrassment, think about if you really want to live a life that's authentic and true to you. Mm. And I think St. Francis de Sales said something like, be you very well. <laughs> okay. If you want to be you very well, yeah. then that's what's and all. Right. You know, sometimes things are not going to go so well and you don't live up to your expected you. But when you look back on those and you make a list of those and you share them with your friends and you ask them to compare with you, treat it lightly rather than seriously. And then that enables you to move on and live in the present rather than constantly ruminating on that thing that happened in the past. Right. I, actually, I can give a prime example of that. A lot of people don't know that comedians, when we're in green rooms, we never share the big stories. We never share that I did this stage. I kicked that many people. We always share the worst. <laughs> so it's like, how did you die on stage? Oh, I died on stage way worse than that. And there is a cathartic release yeah. in, in sharing those, those stories and a camaraderie, I guess, you find there as well. 
And there's a reality there, right? You know, everybody has those experiences. We can all relate to those experiences. Sometimes the peak ones mm. feel like bragging, right? It's like yeah. nobody <laughs> wants that. I don't want to <laughs> yeah. put distance between you and me. Yeah. I want to say we're on the same level. We've right? all failed. We've all failed. And I guess contextualizing becomes important. Is that, is that the same with uh, anger as well? Contextualizing uh, can help in terms of what you're talking about, calming. Yeah, yeah. So right. thinking about, well, what is the situation I'm in now? And can I take a little bit of a step above or step away from mm. what's really irritating me or feeling, making me feel embarrassed right now? Mm. And actually, in the grand scheme of things, how much this does this matter if I take a little bit of a step back? And is there a way of actually just perhaps moving away from this for 15 minutes or perhaps thinking about how important is this to me right now? And then changing your frame around how mm. you're relating to that experience. It's not the anger. It's yeah. not the embarrassment. It's how you're relating to that emotion that becomes important. Speaking of that, of relating to emotions, um, I want to finish by asking about it's something actually uh, touched me last season, which was endings mm -hmm. and the way in which the mind reacts to something ending. Mm. Now, I mean, that could be the show, uh, but that won't be a problem with Aaron said because there'll be a season three. But, <laughs> uh, I mean, school for our listeners, or maybe university, or maybe just a job, whether a short contract or a, um, a long contract. The brain does do something when you're, you're coming up to finishing. Yeah. Doesn't it? It does. It does. So here's an example that we were talking about is um, when you're coming up to the end of a book, yeah. that you're really enjoying. You find yourself reading that last, those last few chapters really slowly, <laughs> yeah. savoring every single word, not turning the page too quickly. Even if it's not a great book. <laughs> like, it doesn't, like, you're not like, oh, this is a masterpiece. This, you know, you're just like, oh, why, so why are we doing that? Yeah, right. So when we're really enjoying something, when we're finding it absorbing us, when we're at school, when we're having a good time, or we're coming to the end of exams, or we've been training for a race or something like that, when we're coming towards the end of that, it's something that we found really absorbing and rewarding. And it's hard to let go, right? Because our brain is saying, so what do we do after that? Yeah. We've got this massive gap that we have to fill in our lives. So what do we do, right? And the thing to do is perhaps look at it as uh, something that you can do to develop yourself that isn't too boring, because that's the danger is if you choose something that's like really, really rivetly, mind-numbingly boring, <laughs> then that's no fun. But at the same time, you don't want to pick something that's too challenging either. That's beyond your skill set or beyond your level of enjoyment, uh, because then that becomes anxiety provoking. Every time you pick up that book, you go, oh, my God, it's 700 pages long. There's no way I can tackle this book. And then you never start. OK, so it's trying to find something that's going to hit that sweet spot between anxiety and boredom. And it may be something completely different to what you're doing right now. Right, and, and when you say completely different, you mean like it could be uh, no, a uh, quote from some of how to guess climbing a mountain or uh, maybe yeah, reading a book, picking up guitar. The classic one, I guess, is picking up a musical instrument. Is it is it as simple as something that's not too challenging before you start the next big thing? Yeah. Like, are we talking about, I guess we'd call it downtime, but it's not really. It's more as like easing out time or... Um, yeah. What, 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 what am I trying to say, Saab? What, what's, what's the mental state I'm trying to capture here? So maybe you've got a, a big plan for your career. Mm -hmm. Okay. So maybe you're an athlete or you've, you, you're on medical training or something like that. And then maybe you need something that's absorbing, 
but not related to what it is that your grand plan is. So right. it's almost like a bit of a palate cleanser. Okay? Palate cleanser. Yeah. Great. So something that's enjoyable, something that's not going to make you anxious, something that's not going to make you bored, it hits that sweet spot and it enables you to do something that's absorbing and refresh yourself before you get back into whatever it is that really drives your purpose. And you bring whatever it is that you've learned and that passion and that enjoyment and that momentum back to the thing that you care about. And that re refreshing uh, of yourself, that's that's very important to avoiding burnout from just trying to jump into another big project straight away uh, and not giving yourself time to palate cleanse yeah. and refresh and then start. Absolutely. And it also gives you the chance to celebrate what it is that you have done in your major stream by doing something completely different, you're allowed to linger upon that rather than just jumping straight into something else which is in your main arc of activity because you don't give yourself time to actually reflect and celebrate your achievement that you've just worked so hard to achieve. Now, I am terrible at that, and I make a joke that it's because I'm a New Zealander uh, and, and we hate celebrating. But I got told off uh, recently because I won something and was just planning to do work the next day. And they were like, no, revel, celebrate, have the moment. What I want to ask you, and I generally mean this for our listeners, uh, especially the New Zealanders, is it important to celebrate? It is. It is. I think when we achieve things in our lives, it's really easy for us to move quickly on, either through fear of appearing big-headed or fear of um, attracting attention that we're somehow uncomfortable with sometimes. We just kind of want to get on and do our thing. So it's not necessarily being showy about your celebration, but it is internally recognizing that actually you've achieved something that's good. It's a milestone in your own development, and it's something that you should somehow develop some kind of ritual for. Because these things are there to help us to mark our progress along the way. Because what we don't want to do is to look back in five years' time and say, that, that big thing that happened, actually looking back on it, I should have paused for a second and just recognize that this actually marks a development in my career or in my personal life. Um, so, yeah, they are important, but often we don't recognize it um, uh, until we have the hindsight. So whoever it was that recommended that you should just pause for a while was very wise. And I think that that's really good advice. Oh, I'll, I'll tell them that and they'll lord it over me. <laughs> uh, clinical psychologist Saab Jahal, thank you once again uh, for joining me here, eating fried chicken in the shower. Kia ora, James. Thank you. RNZ, we want to continue to deliver independent, high-quality content for all New Zealanders, and we're keen to hear from you. So we've set up a new research community called Your Media Matters. It's a place where you can share your views about programme or content ideas, podcasts and topical issues. We'd love you to join. To sign up, head to rnz.co.nz slash yourmediamatters. 